helping you achieve freedom and independence. This is The Phil Kennedy Show, where you learn how to take control of your financial future. Now, listening, guiding, and injecting hope, America's money coach, Phil Kennedy. Hey, coming to you live from Washington, D.C. It's The Phil Kennedy Show. Thanks for tuning in on this Sunday afternoon. I've got a lot lined up and going to pack it in in a short amount of time because it's my seven-year-old's birthday party. His birthday was a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago. I talked about it when we covered the Florida trip. But uh, I want to take your calls, 571-520-PHIL. That's 571-520-PHIL. Feel free to call in. Any money topic is fair game. And I'd love to hear from you on this Sunday afternoon. Also, a reminder, still taking consultations. Schedule your free consultation on the Calendly link in the description box below there in the show notes page. It's uh, free, free consultation, 30 minutes. You can talk to me. As you can see, August is wide open, only a few dates taken. So I'd be glad to schedule you and talk to you about whatever it is that you may be dealing with from a personal finance standpoint. As uh, Dave Ramsey says, personal finance is definitely personal. And I focus on the behaviors as it relates to money. Most financial advisors, CFPs, are focused on how your money behaves. I'm focused on how you behave, how you behave when you are dealing with some kind of emergency, stress, anxiety, financial pressure that you didn't see, see coming. Or maybe you're completely squared away and you're thinking about buying a second home and you just want to talk about it with somebody who is unbiased, impartial, and not a part of your family. These are the kinds of things that we're talking about in our free consultations. So feel free to take advantage of that. And there's no better time to do it than as we start approaching the new school year. And with the new school year, you can imagine there's lots of pressure on families to buy all of those back-to-school odds and ends that have become necessities, especially since... We missed an entire school year thanks to COVID. I mean, sure, it was virtual, but the reality is is most people have probably postponed some purchases, especially as it relates to clothing, backpacks, and technology items due to the fact that they were learning from home for an entire school year. So that's really what I want to cover on at the top of today's show is what the nation is expecting as it relates to the back-to-school spending that we can anticipate in the weeks and month ahead. I've got an article here that uh, is from me. I wrote it this morning, and for folks who are on my email list, you'll get this today. But I want to give everyone a sneak peek at it because it is August, and most folks are probably going to spend more than they did last year on their kids in order to go back to school. And for all the reasons that I just outlined moments ago. But this shouldn't be done outside of a budget. We've talked about the budget each week. Uh, Today's August 1st. It's an excellent time to remind everybody that you need to be doing a monthly budget. And back-to-school items need to be on that budget. But according to this article here, Deloitte expects back-to-school spending to reach $32.5 billion for elementary through high school students. And that's up 16% year over year. That's probably 
not a surprise to anybody who has kids. I imagine in your household, you're planning on spending more than you did last year. And if you're not, your neighbors will probably make up for it. But there was a recent survey by the National Retail Federation, and it says that families expect to spend a record amount on back-to-school shopping this year. Households with K-12 children expect to spend an average of about $850, bucks, up from $789 last year and six, uh, nearly $700 in 2019. And according to Forbes, parents plan to make more significant investments in technology this year, and those will specifically be in the laptops. And the article went on to say that a lot of these parents are anticipating buying a smartphone for their elementary school-aged child. I found that kind of surprising, but that's what the survey indicated, so I guess we have to believe it. Maybe there's some logic in that. Maybe they anticipate being able to use that device not only for educational needs, but to communicate with their kid down the road as they go to middle school and have more activities. Who knows? But uh, that was something I found slightly surprising. My article goes on here to indicate that the Kennedy household is not immune from the pressures of back-to-school spending. My wife relayed that she saw an Old Navy commercial, jeans are 50% off, but for one day only, heightening the pressure to get out there and buy Target offering $15 off coupon for purchases of $75 or more, and Kohl's will take $20 off your purchase if you spend $100. Anybody familiar with those two stores knows that they're doing this all the time. It's just almost equivalent to Bed Bath & Beyond sending you a 25% off coupon for one item. And These things are going on all the time. So it's not a problem to take advantage of these deals. The issue is when you don't budget them and you just impulsively go into the store and start going crazy. And in our household, we've got a nine-year-old now who is growing by leaps and bounds. He's probably grown six inches since last year. At the pace he's going, uh, I kind of joke here in my article, but I almost think he's going to be six, seven one day. And so he needs all these new things. He needs shoes, jacket, shirts, pants, literally everything is on the list. So these are items that we have to budget for. There's no way around it. And that's why we have sat down already and talked about it and set that line item for what we think we're going to need to spend. And hopefully we can stay within those confines, but we may end up spending more than that. You never know. Uh, but at least we put it down on paper and on purpose so that we can accommodate all the other items that we'll need this month. One of the other things that's come up is uh, we've got an electrical outlet issue in the kitchen. And when it comes to dealing with electricity, I know how to do a few things here and there. But the reality is, is I'm not going to mess with something once it reaches a certain point because it does get dangerous. So we're going to need to hire an electrician. We had to hire an HVAC guy last month. That was like 250 bucks. So we're budgeting an electrician this month. I bet you that'll be 200 plus. If you don't sit down and put it on paper on purpose, then next thing you know, by the end of the month, you are short and you can't figure out why. If you, ha if you have a plan, and that's what my clients and I are doing, coming up with a plan for each individual situation, then it makes more sense where the money went and where it's going day to day and week to week, and especially month to month over the course of your entire fiscal year. Uh, there's one final thing I wanted to add here, and that is just another shout out to the Every Dollar Budgeting app. 
it's been fantastic. I've got a little photo here you can see where I labeled it back to school. But if you have a loved one in your life and you've struggled with budgeting, saving, and investing, then it's really incumbent upon you to sit down together, have a joint bank account, connect it to the Every Dollar app, and be able to track all of your transactions each and every day. That is the centerpiece to a good financial game plan. And I am seeing the results not only in my own household, I've seen them over more than a decade by using the baby steps, but also particularly with the Every Dollar app. This has really changed the game, evolved the money game, the baby steps, the budgeting game to the next level. And I'm just convinced that it will do so and continue to do so for everybody who takes full advantage of that. Uh, I mentioned before, my class is already on week three, so it's too late for those of you who wanted to consider it. But I will continue to do Financial Peace University classes. And if you'd like to be a part of that, keep stay tuned to Kennedy Financial, because or uh, the Phil Kennedy Show, rather, formerly Kennedy Financial, for those who've tuned in late. The uh, next FPU I'll do will probably be in about seven or eight weeks. And this is where we get into the details of how to make a budget, how to use the Every Dollar app, and how to get yourself out of debt so that you can begin to build wealth. And for those who may be interested, eventually buy Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. All right, still taking calls, 571-520-PHIL. I'd love to hear from you. We'll get to the next article here, which are the things that people don't want to hear. And that's the title of this episode, Money Advice Everyone hates to hear. In fact, I probably hate to hear some of this myself. We're all human. We all think maybe we're smarter than our neighbor when it comes to money. And I've fallen victim to some of these pieces of money advice that everyone hates to hear. And I've included it in everyone. So let's go to the first one. The first one is you can't keep spending like crazy. I've gone through seasons of spending, probably just like you, especially as it relates to Amazon and hooking up a credit card and doing the one-click shopping. And the next thing you know, you're putting hundreds, maybe even thousands of dollars on a credit card each month for purchases that you didn't plan on buying at the beginning of the month. And why is that? Well, the article gets into it here. It says folks agonize over negotiating pay or maximizing the returns by just a couple of percentage points, but it's a lifestyle creep kills a lot of folks. It sounds like I'm working so hard. Don't I deserve X says the interviewee. And that's the thing is we all can throw ourselves a pity party and think, well, I deserve this. You know, I've had a hard week. Uh, I deserve a new pair of jeans that are designer jeans or you name it, whatever that item is. For you, maybe it could be a premium cigar or a fancy bottle of wine. We all have that thing in our life that costs a little more than we probably should be spending if we haven't allocated that amount properly. So the key here is the budget, as we said in the last segment, the last article. If we have a budget, then we don't fall victim to spending 
like crazy. All right, what's the number two item here? Number two, forget trying to time the market. All right, this is what I was getting into when I said we all fall victim to the idea that we may be smarter than our neighbors and loved ones. Now, I do agree, as I've said previously, that I think that this is a stock market bubble fueled by artificially low interest rates and quantitative easing. What I didn't anticipate, especially when I did the old show Kennedy Financial, is just how imprudent our central bank, the Federal Reserve, would be. And if we look at a place like Venezuela, the Venezuelan stock market, from what I gather, never really crashed. Yeah, it crashed in real terms, but in nominal terms, I think it was at one time, maybe just a year or two ago, the best performing stock market in the world. And it probably never really had a pullback to where it started when the bubble began. So from our standpoint, there's an old expression, don't fight the Fed. And I am not personally excited about investing in the stock market at this time. But I think it is wise advice to forget trying to time the market. Because unless you're a pro and doing this every day and your name is Paul Tudor Jones, I doubt you're going to win in the long run. Sure, maybe you'll have some short run stories that you can boast about, but in the long run, you're probably going to end up doing better if you just dollar cost average. All right, what's the third item they've got here? Just say no to your children. I can attest that this can be difficult, especially given the fact that we just came back from Florida and we were surrounded by all these different toys and what has probably become with some of these places just one big gift shop. <laughs> sure, there's an amusement park, but I think the point of it is that you enter the gift shop on the way out. I, I almost wonder, like, how much is more? How much is spent uh, pound for pound? Is it more on the gift shop or more on the tickets to enter the place? And the article has a good quote here. It says, "When it comes to saying no to their kids, they resist it because it will be uncomfortable. It's hard to make dinner when you're tired. It's hard to say no to sports and activities, especially when kids have been cooped up inside with the pandemic. It's hard to share why you're saying no." You're exposing your mistakes with money, but there are tons of emotions associated with it as well, from guilt to shame and everything else in between, says Amy Green of Amy Green Financial Coaching. I think she's also a Dave Ramsey coach, so shout out to Amy Green and good quote there. I think it's better to be honest with your kids about where things stand financially so that they can realize that there's an upper limit. Mom and dad go to work, they bring home a paycheck, and this is what they've got. This is what they can spend. And we don't go above that. And we don't give in to our wants. This is a good way to show your kids how to handle money. And you can be the example for them before they get to be the age where they think that it really does grow on trees and they can just uh, make it rain everywhere they go and go to college with debt and start making a billion different financial mistakes. We've got Pablo turning, tuning in here. Thanks for tuning in, Pablo. Again, Number 571-520-PHIL. would love to hear from you. Thanks for checking in, Pablo. We're glad you're here as well. Uh, number four, save for retirement ASAP. I think 
that this is not stressed nearly enough. I know that a lot of people, especially my dad and uh, others who were close to me in my early 20s, kept beating the drum on this. Save for retirement as early as possible. You know, you want to start getting that match on your 401k. You want to start putting the money away. You want it to grow. Uh, and this is sage advice. The problem is so many young people have enormous student loan debt. And until they get that off their backs, then it really is difficult to start saving for retirement. Sure, there's an argument to be made. Well, if you got a 5% match at work, don't worry about the debt. Just start putting that away. I know there's two different schools of thought on that. But we have so many of our young people starting out with a mortgage and they have no home. Um, if they did not have these enormous debts as it pertains to student loans, then they really could start saving for retirement ASAP. And if you start saving when you're in your early 20s, you've got 40 years. And uh, we've all seen the numbers as a, you know, the, for the younger guy who starts earlier. The older guy might start 10 years later in his 30s, and he never catches up because of compound interest. So something to keep in mind. Finally, the last one here, plan for the inevitable this quote saying, yes, the end will come. Who wants to think about the day when they're no longer around? Estate planning is uncomfortable. For sure, you got to get a will. You got to have a legacy box. You got to have life insurance. You got to have all the things that are necessary to take care of your family if and when you are to suddenly depart this earth too early. All right. Well, when we come back, we'll try to take more calls. And by more, I mean our first call. And I'll uh, look at your comments and we'll also check out the fraud, scam, and swindle of the week. So stay tuned. See you in a few minutes. Are you feeling a pain related to money? Would you like some help with that? If so, I'd love to be your money coach. Simply head over to my calendar by clicking the schedule now link below. Set up your free consultation to see if we can work together to meet your needs. We'll discuss your personal situation and goals without any judgment. When you're ready to apply what you're learning on my show, then come check out philipkennedy.com. All right, still uh, taking calls, 571-520-PHIL. We got Pablo with a comment here. It looks like he is in Canada. Pablo writing, hi, Phil, I'm in Ontario. In the future, would you do video calls beats the long distance fees? Maybe I just need to get an 800 number, Pablo. He says he's in Ontario, Canada. Uh, I'm not sure how much the long distance fees are, but I will say I was proud to get a number that had my phone number in it, or my name in the phone number, rather, 571-520-PHIL. And I'm going to hang on to that for at least a little while longer until we start getting more live calls on the show. Live calls definitely make the show more interesting because uh, it gives me a break and I also can figure out what's on your mind. All right. So next article I want to talk about is something that's going on as people begin to move from place to place in the post-COVID environment. This article coming from MSN 
entitled Moving Company Scams on Rise, says Florida Attorney General. I, this caught my eye because we were just down in Florida. And it writes here, Attorney General Ashley Moody is warning Floridians of an increase in moving scams as home sales skyrocket in Florida. According to Florida Realtors, closed sales of single-family homes statewide in June totaled 34000 up 24% from June 2020, resulting in a 14-year high in overall sales throughout the country. Okay, that's interesting. But with an increase in home sales comes more demand for movers, and Moody is issuing a consumer alert to help consumers avoid moving-related scams. Florida is red hot, she says here. Our low taxes, growing economy, common sense leadership, and great weather has people from all over rushing to move here, she said. Couple all that with a booming real estate market and the potential for scams increases. So if you are a Floridian buying a new house or moving to Florida from out of state, be wary of moving scams. Moving companies refusing to provide a written estimate or requiring a large upfront deposit or payment in cash are all red flags that consumers can look for to help them identify a potential moving scam and avoid falling prey. Common moving scams involve movers packing up and transporting household goods and then refusing to release them until the consumer pays an additional high fee. Another scheme used by fraudsters is giving a lowball offer to secure a moving job, but then increasing the rate significantly upon arrival and threatening to avoid doing the job unless paid up front. Gosh, these people are just really scum-sucking bottom feeders. To guard against these and other moving scams, consumers should never sign any blank or incomplete documents or contracts, obtain moving estimates and quotes from the company in writing, and make sure the estimates are binding, determine whether the movers will perform the move alone or if the company will be subcontracting with another carrier. That's a good one. And beware if movers show up in rental trucks without uniformed personnel. Hmm. You know, I can't remember ever having a mover that uh, showed up with uniformed personnel. It's almost like those commercials for Terminex or any pest removal company. Like the guy that comes to the door looks like he's right out of central casting, nice set of teeth, clean shirt, looks pressed, got the nice hat on. I've never had anybody. I would almost like if somebody showed up to my door looking like that, I'd almost sign the contract. No questions asked because it'd be such a surprise to uh, see someone actually look the part. But yeah, just another scam out there that the viewers and listeners ought to be aware of. There is a fool born every minute. I've been a fool in my lifetime. I think I told the story about how I got swindled uh, out of some cash from a quick change artist in New York City. It was my first time on a business trip in New York City, and I came out the wrong exit from Penn Station. And uh, there was this young guy there in a jean jacket and uh, designer jeans. And he said, hey, buddy, you need a cab? And I was like, well, yeah, I do. And, you know, here I am, this kid from Maryland, you know, some rural county, and I had no idea what I was doing. He's like, let me give you a hand with your bag. And then immediately, you know, after he picked it up, I'm thinking, boy, I've already made a mistake here. But sure enough, he found me a cab. And uh, I said, hey, I'd like to give you a tip. And he said, oh, okay, well, uh, let me, uh, I said, but I don't have any change. And all I had was 20s. So he uh, poked his head in the cab and he starts talking to the cab driver and he says, uh, oh, well, you know, it's going to be a $40 ride to Wall Street or something like that. Uh, you want to give me a $5 tip? I've given the cab driver 35 bucks or something like that. Uh, maybe he said it was $35. Here's my $5 tip and he holds it up in front of me. So I get in the cab and I said, uh, 
so do you have my change? And the cab driver says, you know, what change? And I realized, you know, I, I had been completely had to the tune of 40 bucks. But uh, you live and learn. And unfortunately, uh, everyone's got to learn at some point. But fortunately, these are the things that become cause someone to become more professionally skeptical in every situation, whether it be investing their retirement savings, signing up for some kind of program, whether it be a health program or a coaching program or moving their goods across state lines. We're all going to be had at one point or another. It's just to what degree and what do you learn from it? Still taking calls, 571-520-PHIL. Don't forget to smash the likes, give us a thumbs up, leave a comment here in the live chat, and I'd be glad to hear from you via telephone. The other thing, uh, I said this show would only be 30 minutes because it's my son's birthday today. I'd be interested to know how much, or we're we're having his local birthday party. His birthday was a week or two ago. Again, that's why we went to Legoland. But I'm wondering from you, you know, how much should one spend on a child's birthday party? I personally don't think it should be more than 1% to 2% of your monthly income, unless it's a really special occasion. If it's going to be some once-in-a-lifetime thing where this is the year we're taking all the kids to Disney World and we're calling it Sarah's birthday party, that doesn't really count. If it's just a normal run-of-the-mill birthday in, say, February, I think that 1% to 2% is probably about right of your monthly take-home pay. And that sum is probably also the limit on one's fund money, the line item in your budget for fund money, money that you can spend without consulting your spouse or accountability partner. Uh, And also there ought to be a cap on that too. If you sit down with your loved one and you're trying to figure out, you know, what is the amount that you and I need to discuss? If I can't just pop into Best Buy and buy, say like a $300 item, these are discussions that need to be had. And this is why you need to sit down with a financial coach to talk about what works for you. And I am continuing to do that during my free consultations that you can take me up on anytime. August is wide open, as you can see here, and I would love to hear from you. Well, it looks like the audience is satisfied with what I've done thus far this week, so I'm going to wrap things up here. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button if you're new. Don't forget to smash the likes, and I'll be back next weekend with another live episode of the Phil Kennedy Show. Thanks to everyone who makes this show possible. I will see you all next week. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Phil Kennedy Show. For more, you can watch the show live on YouTube or listen on iTunes. If you would like to speak with Phil, then click the Schedule Now link in the show notes. If you enjoyed the Phil Kennedy Show, then be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes.